Our scripture reading this morning is Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Forgive the, uh, my voice is an octave or two lower than it usually is, so it's not a sound effect. I'm just getting over a little bit of a cold, so, uh, but one, wonderful to be here. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, I'd just lo- love to uh, echo Patrick's welcome. You guys, uh, the City Church family, has been a wonderful support, literally since the first week I landed in prayer and just encouragement. So it's, it's a wonderful privilege to be here. Um, why don't I pray briefly before we start? Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, help me to teach faithfully and clearly. Help us to listen well with open hearts. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The writer Oscar Wilde rightly said, Morality, like art, means drawing a line someplace. Morality, like art, means drawing a line someplace. We all draw lines. There are the good people and there are the bad people. If I were to ask you the question, who are the bad people, what would your answer be? If I were to ask you the question, who are the good people, what would your answer be? The sense of good and bad is so widespread that even in the worst prisons, you, have, you find that some inmates have to be kept from others because what they did is seen as so offensive. If we were to go to any high security prison and ask the inmates the exact same questions, the answers would be visibly obvious. Taking a tour, we would see pedophiles segregated from embezzlers and drug dealers for their protections because their crimes are seen as more offensive. That's how widespread this sense of good and bad is. Even among the worst criminals, lines are drawn between who's good and who's bad. Our text this morning brings us to such a scene. Now, as we move from chapter 1 to chapter 2 in Mark's gospel, popularity turns to controversy. And what's shocking is, is that Jesus becomes unpopular with the very people you thought would be his target audience, the religious people. Murderously unpopular, in fact. Chapter 3, verse 6 says this. This is Mark chapter 3, verse 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus how to destroy him. 
So what's made Jesus so unpopular? And this brings us to our first point. Jesus has come for outcasts like Levi. Jesus has come for outcasts like Levi. Now imagine the scene. Levi sitting at the tax booth. He's surrounded by all his cronies. He's filling out forms, counting the day's take. Then a shadow comes across the workstation. And there's Jesus. Now, who was Levi? Levi was a tax collector, and tax collectors, to put it nicely, were scoundrels. They were corrupt civil servants in the Roman government, notorious for fleecing people of money, and they were perfectly happy to do so. They were rich, very rich, but their money came through fraud and extortion. So when the Jews looked at the tax collectors, they saw a group of people who were in cahoots with Rome demanding taxes for the Roman invaders. They were selling out their own people, people in their own community, people they knew. They were corrupt and they were hated. They robbed you, they hassled you, they humiliated you. Now, where would sex traffic, I mean, where would tax collectors rank today? With the sex traffickers, with identity thieves, heroin dealers? We need to look at the very bottom of society and say this is how tax collectors were viewed. Just for a second, let's put verse 14 in modern terms. As Jesus walked along, he saw a hedge fund manager named Bernie Madoff sitting in his jail cell. Follow me, Jesus said, and he got up and followed him. Or here's one that was fact. As Jesus walked along, he saw a disgraced Watergate politician named Charles Colson sitting in his jail cell. Follow me, Jesus told him, and he got up and he followed him. In order to understand the force of verse 14, it has to shock us. Did he really say that to that guy? That's what happens to Levi. So who has Jesus come to call? He's come to call Levi. He goes up to his booth. He looks at Levi and he says, you, follow me. Now what Jesus shows us about his call is that life in the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom of God, are opposite of what we typically think. It's filled with people we wouldn't ordinarily choose to be around. It's filled with sinful people, paralytics, lepers, and now tax collectors. And now he's calling Levi or Matthew to be one of his 12 disciples, to be in his intimate core. Now these aren't the kind of people you would put and recruit at the center of this thriving movement of the gospel. Honestly, it would be like Mark Zuckerberg recruiting Bernie Madoff to run the financial division at, at, at Facebook. Say, I'm thinking about expanding our little group. What about Levi? Uncomfortable silence. He's calling someone everyone would want to avoid being a leader. In the Academy of Fine Arts in Venice, there's a painting by Paolo Veronese, a painting that got him into a lot of trouble with the Inquisition. Now, it depicts Jesus at a banquet with his disciples, complete with Roman soldiers in one corner, 
a man with a bloody nose on the other side, stray dogs roaming around, a few drunks, midgets, barbarians, and so on. And he was called before the Inquisition to explain these irreverences. You know. And Veronese, defending his painting, showed from the gospel that these were the very people that Jesus mixed with. Scandalized that he was tainting the theme of the Last Supper, the Inquisitors made him change the title of the painting, but he was very clever. He simply changed the name from the Last Supper to the Feast at Levi's house. Jesus calls Levi, who was a despised, a despised character, follow me. Jesus shows us that he's come to bring in the powerless, the people who weren't in the center, those in the lowest levels of society, the marginalized, the lost, the outcast. And this is what happens to Levi, verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So what does Levi do? Verse 15, he throws a party. And this brings us to our second point. We're all outcasts like Levi. We're all outcasts like Levi. Now it's one thing for Levi to come to Jesus, but it's another thing for Jesus to be drinking and eating dinner, celebrating with sinners. And not surprisingly, in verse 15, the Pharisees begin to grumble and, and gripe, to complain, and they question. Now, the, the popular myth is that Christianity is for the nice people, the good people, the people who have town and country subscriptions and 2.4 children, banana bread recipes. You know, it's for people who shop at Whole Foods have golden retrievers. You know. It's not for the Bernie Madoffs or the Chuck Colsons or the Levi's of the world. The truth is that Christianity is the exact opposite. Christianity is only for the bad people, which by God's standards is all of us. That's fundamentally where Christianity is different from all the other religions. Buddhism, for example says in order to reach God, you have to have a transformation of consciousness and it takes your whole life and so on and so on. And they have us climbing up the religion ladder, trying to be good in, ho in hopes that God will accept us in the end for what we have done. But Christianity is, is about God sending his son down to us in all our sin, all our living without him, living our own, our own way and finding us just as we are and offering us forgiveness and a fresh start. Verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees are outraged by what he's doing. Why? Why? Because they thought that if God ever came near, that of course he would come to morally good people like themselves. But Jesus has come to do the opposite. Now, why do I, why do I say that? We need to understand a little bit about the, who the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were a movement of zealous, deeply religious Jews. And they prided themselves in their Bible study. 
They pored over the sacred writings tirelessly, and they were passionately concerned about their own purity and the purity of God's people. And they had an expectation that God would send the Christ to cleanse the country from the pagan Roman invaders. So they basically said, we're going to study God's law, we're going to keep ourselves morally clean, and we're definitely not going to hang out with people not like us. So if you were to ask a Pharisee what his worst nightmare was, he'd say, well, Mark chapter 2, verse 15. One writer refers to this as the party that rocked the religious world. Now, notice in verse 15, it's not just Jesus who goes to eat with Levi, the tax collectors and sinners. It's his disciples. Why is that? Because following Jesus is not about being religious or self-righteous. Religion, doing things to gain God's favor, creates a, oh, look at me, I'm doing so well mentality. Religious people are trying to gain God's favor by trying to live a good life, and you're never sure you're good enough. You're never sure you're doing well enough. So you have to stay away from the sinners, and you draw a bright neon line. No matter who we are, there's a bright neon line. There's the good people and the bad people, us and them. And we want nothing to do with the bad people because they might corrupt our nice image. And not surprisingly, giving his standing, Levi's guests include social outcasts, other tax collectors, and sinners. And the Pharisees are outraged, and they get right to the point in verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the Pharisees want to know why Jesus would mix with such people. But Jesus' reply, Jesus's reply gets to the very heart of his mission. Verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, the Pharisees have completely misunderstood Jesus' mission. They thought he'd come for the upright and religious, give them a big pat on the back and come to their dinner parties. But the reality is that Jesus came to call sinners. I think familiarity can stop us from realizing the shock of verse 17. Doesn't it suggest that if Jesus came to Baltimore today, he probably wouldn't come to this building with us? He'd probably go outside to the homeless, to the drug addicts, to, the, to those that society largely re- rejects. And the reason for this is given in verse 17. He's come for those who are spiritually sick, not for those who are spiritually healthy. Jesus isn't saying that the Pharisees didn't need his forgiveness, but because they weren't willing to see that they actually needed forgiveness as much as Levi, Jesus couldn't do a thing for them. Now let's pick up Jesus' analogy. It's as if I were to walk into the doctor's office and said, hey doc, just wanted to stop by to let you know I'm doing really well. Blood pressure's great, cholesterol, tip-top, 
See you later. There's not a lot a doctor can do for something like that. He's much more interested in patients who want an honest diagnosis about their condition and not just praise for their nice outward appearance. The reality is, however good we might tell God and ourselves we are, we're all spiritually sick. We have the disease of sin. Now, I know we, we're not, we may not be 21st century equivalents of tax collectors, but we need to see that our need is as great as theirs. Just as there's little a doctor can do for a patient until he admits he needs treatment, so Jesus is saying he has come for those who admit they have a problem, that they're spiritually sick, that the way they live their life warrants God's judgment. Which is great news for all of us. If Jesus came to call sinners, it means that all of us are able to receive his medicine, the forgiveness he offers. All of us, no matter how bad we are, can be forgiven if, like Levi, we take Jesus at his word and follow him. Now we look at Levi, he's lumped into the sinner category. He's earned his living from robbing people. He's a dishonest person. And it seems obvious that he needs what Jesus offers. He knows he's an outcast. He knows the Jews don't trust him and the Romans don't trust him. And so when he meets Jesus and Jesus holds out to him the promise of being loved by the Father and being forgiven of his sins, Levi sees the gift, he sees the treasure and gives up everything and follows him. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, follow me is not to be understood as, as an invitation, a kind of take it or leave it command. And it's not just a command, it's much more than that. The command brings with it the power to obey. That's what's so wonderful about the gospel. The gospel asks the impossible and then puts within us the power to obey. When Jesus comes to Levi or anyone else and says, follow me, he must, and I'm quoting a, a British preacher here, he must release them from the chains, he must cleanse them from the past, he must set them free. Jesus doesn't just choose sinners and leave them as sinners, he turns sinners into saints. If 10 years later we met Levi, we might not recognize him. Levi, the tax collector, now Matthew, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Levi, the tax collector, now Matthew, author of the New Testament gospel. Jesus changes us. He gives us the power to follow him. Now, many of us might have known each other for so long that we don't realize the changes the Lord has made in us. Gradual changes. They're hard to spot. But the problem for many people isn't that they don't see their own progress, it's that they don't even see that they're sick. We need to see our own sickness. We need to see that we're like Levi, that we're the ones that Jesus came for. 
How do we do this? How, how do we become a group of people who celebrate what God is doing in Jesus Christ? In order to get past our sickness, we have to acknowledge our sickness. We have to begin to see ourselves as sick people, the outcast, the excluded. In terms of life in heaven, we're excluded unless God is merciful. It's begin to see that we're excluded, but he's come near us. Not to draw a line in the sand, not to say you're here and I'm there. He's come near to bring us in. He's come near to invite us. He's come near to heal us. We have to see he's the one who's come to bring healing into our lives. Jonathan Aitken, a a disgraced British politician who went to jail for perjury, now a follower of Jesus, wrote a book called Psalms for People Under Pressure. He writes, Many people remain throughout their lives in a state of denial about their own sinfulness. This is just what the Pharisees were doing. And the question I want to leave us with this morning is, are we? Are we denying our own sinfulness? Let's pray together.